Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WMA podcast. My name is Jay Kane. We're speaking with Joseph Sarnacki, a senior vice president who offers securities through Equitable Advisors, LLC, member FINRA backslash SIPC, Equitable Financial Advisors in Michigan and Tennessee, investment advisory products and services offered through Equitable Advisors, an SEC registered investment advisor and annuity and insurance products offered through Equitable Network, LLC. Equitable Advisors is an equal opportunity employer, male, female, disabled veterans. Hope you guys enjoy. Joe, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Everyone appreciates it, and uh, we're excited to have you on. Appreciate that, Jake. Uh, you know, great to be here, obviously. So just to dive right in real quick, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, kind of why you wanted to, you know, pursue a career in finance and wealth management? Yeah, I, uh, I totally expected that, that, uh, that question. I feel like that's probably one of the more common ones out there. Um, I'll start with maybe a bit of a lesson, you know, fortunate, unfortunate at the same time. But what I would challenge everybody that's, you know, listening in today is to really just think about your why, your why statement in life and what that value proposition uh, is for yourself. And mine really drew off of some personal experiences that as a student at Michigan State myself, I graduated, by the way, in 2009 uh, with a finance degree uh, from MSU. But uh, when I was a sophomore, actually, I, I frankly watched a, a family uh, turn, get turned upside down myself, right? And uh, for those of you that are aware, 08, 09 was obviously the, the Great Recession, the economic crisis. And um, so many of us, myself included, were hit home by that. And that experience as a sophomore in 2006, it would have been, uh, really reshaped my mind about finance and about what it truly means to, to provide value in, in your profession and nothing against any other profession or career path. Uh, we all have our, our personal whys uh, and reasons that we do things, but uh, I really quickly fell in love with the idea of finding ways to invest and make my money work for me. Um, and in some conversations with my father, who unfortunately at that time was laid off, like I mentioned from the automotive industry, um, due to uh, the crisis and everything going on, I kind of learned that most people have, a, let's say, a decent understanding of the fact that they should be saving for retirement or planning for their child's education, doing these things, but most don't have professional guidance. And I think I, I started falling in love very quickly with the idea of being able to, to help others um, and find purpose, not just for myself selfishly and learning how to invest and save for retirement and have the proper financial plan, uh, but more importantly, find ways to, to give back to the community around me and take the knowledge that I was gaining at, at MSU and, and apply it to a family, to a business owner, to an individual. Um, so that's really why I, I chose the industry, why I got into financial services, financial planning uh, from day one. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely agree with, with, um, you know, multiple of your points, you know, it's, you know, building a plan for people is unique for everyone and, and helping people is, you know, I think the main reason why everyone wants to pursue this. Me personally, I, you know, I want to be financial heroes for people and, you know, and, and offer, 
um, professional guidance and, and have lifelong relationships. So I think that's, that's very eye-opening your story about, you know, how, you know, some life event hit for you and, you know, you kind of had to, um, you know, it was very eye-opening for you. So that's a, uh, that's a great story. Yeah. Um, so jumping into the next question, could you kind of tell us a little bit about uh, your company and, and kind of how you differ from, from other competitors and also talk about your senior vice president role and um, also your retirement planning specialist background, if you could. Yeah, so uh, Equitable Advisors, uh, which is an organization that I had honestly never even heard of uh, at the time when I was a student there, um, but I was fortunate to, to meet them at the, uh, the big career fair at, at the Brez. And um, anyway, what I found really quickly is that, that the firm really positions themselves in what I consider to be somewhat biased, of course, because since I've been here for 12, 13 years now, but um, really positioned in a bit of a, of a hybrid model, I'll say. Um, on one side of the coin, when you think about the brand of equitable advisors and who they are, they are a captive agency, if you want to call us such. Uh, equitable Advisors does manufacture product, you know, life insurance and annuities, and uh, they are nationwide one of the largest carriers in that space out there. Um, but on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, you have more of the investment management, the wealth management arm that I think so many of us, myself included, was, was really drawn to uh, in the industry. And in that space, we operate as an independent um, and use a partner organization that gives us the ability to, to trade, represent essentially any investment out there. Um, of course, those investments all get you know, audited by our organization and by compliance to make sure that they're meeting our standards. But you know, across the board, I would say that we compete in this hybrid model, um, both on the life and annuity side of the, of the industry, but also on the wealth management investment side of the industry. Uh, and I've, what I've learned in 12 years from a cultural perspective, having somewhat of a backbone in the insurance and annuity space that Equitable Advisors does, our conversations and the training, everything I've learned from my mentors here, there is a constant question and concern about income generation for our clients. And I, and I think that that's really interesting and you know, ironically a bit unique in the industry as well. Um, I think we can all, all agree that, you know, rate of return, um, fees, et cetera, it matters, right? It matters a lot. Um, but I think when you look at the real life situation with, again, an individual, a business owner, a family, a client, right? We all live off of income. We all live off of what's in our bank account, what is coming through our paycheck income. And I think the advisor side, we really want to focus on making sure that that income is there, not just today, but into perpetuity forever. Um, and holistically want to provide a sound financial plan. So uh, I think that's how equitable advisors kind of uh, positions themselves in the marketplace and uh, is unique, you know, to some extent too. Um, and I'm sorry, Jake, I kind of forgot this, the second part of your question there as I was rambling. No worries. Uh, if you could just talk about your role um, in equitable, that senior vice president role, and, um, and also a little bit about your retirement planning specialist background, if you could. Yeah. Um, so, so my role, I chose to go and pursue leadership uh, the end of my fourth year here. Um, so I'll openly admit that when I started uh, the culture in our company, at least locally, just like the majority of the industry, uh, you may all not know this, but the average age of a financial advisor in America is 56. 
56 years old. Um, and it was the same when I started. And four years in, I, I had this itch that I didn't want to be the only young guy at the company anymore working with a bunch of senior advisors. Uh, there was some value that I think working with those senior advisors uh, created for myself, but I wanted that young, vibrant culture around me, right? And uh, there were two ways to get that, either retool and join a group that had it already or build it myself. And uh, my partner, uh, Matt, his name was his, was a good friend of mine to this day and, and joint work partner here at, at Equitable Advisors. Um, he and I decided to pursue leadership together and build a team together. Uh, Matt was also from MSU, so we were buddies in school and it just kind of made sense for us to grow our practice and then our leadership practice, you know, together as a team. Um, so I pursued leadership with this idea of building an organization uh, around us. And uh, at our, our peak now, we've hit just north of 40 advisors within our, our umbrella, if you will, or our wing that we oversee, that we nurture, that we help show the right way to uh, create a financial plan and to grow and, and build a practice for themselves as well. Um, and then fast forward a little bit after that, I was promoted to senior vice president uh, in early 2020, uh, right as the pandem pandemic was starting there. Um, and that kind of repositioned me to have a, a little bit more say in the drive of the organization, equitable advisors, um, a slightly larger seat at the table, if you will. Um, and locally in the state of Michigan, I am essentially responsible now for the growth of one of our divisions that we refer to as the Retirement Benefits Group, um, which is a specialized, unique focus in retirement planning solutions for the public school systems, K-12 in Michigan, all throughout the nation, really, but uh, for myself in Michigan, uh, the municipal space, and then the nonprofit space as well. Um, so uniquely have a, a hand in the drive and growth of that business line for us. Um, and then the retirement planning specialist background, that came from uh, the Wharton School, actually. And um, Equitable Advisors is one of the only, maybe even the only, but organizations out there that has a unique relationship with, with Wharton at UPenn. And we can attend their executive education plans programs just like pretty much anybody can. Uh, but we can uniquely co-brand on our business cards, on our uh, LinkedIn profiles, on our email signatures, not just equitable advisors, but also use the Wharton insignia on that, which uh, I would argue that was one of, if not the best uh, educational experiences of my career to go to that uh, and sit in front of professors that you literally see on CNBC and Bloomberg every day of the week, uh, it seems like and have real conversations with them about, about matters in and around financial planning. Very, very cool, very unique experience. Yeah, that's great. And that's a great way to get your, uh, to get your feet wet for sure. Um, so kind of going off of that, you know, you mentioned that you wanted to pursue leadership and, you know, I think that's what a handful of kids want to do in this wealth management space right now. And, you know, my question for you is, you know, is this a good career path for recent college grads? And is age one of the biggest discriminations in the industry? I mean, you said the average age for the advisor was, I believe, 56 years old is what you said. Is Would you consider age to be a discrimination out of, um, you know, people coming right out of Michigan State or, or any other college? Um, yeah, I mean, probably. Right? I mean, well, why not? Uh... And I, I say, why not? And, and probably because it, I guess it's all in the eye of the beholder, uh, meaning the client, you know, do they discriminate against their advisor because they're young or old or, or anything? Maybe. Um, I hope not, but uh, maybe they do. Um, 
my answer to this maybe is a bit unique, but I say that, yeah, now, now's the time. Um, I say that from experience because I graduated as a 21 year old, knew I wanted to pursue this profession and said, okay, well, if I'm going to take a risk and think about this, uh, joining an advising firm, right? Building a practice, being an entrepreneur, while you have the size and scope of an organization, in my case, like equitable advisors or any other of the big brand names that are out there, I'm sure you guys can all think of a few, um, you're taking a risk. You're opening up a business, right? The world does not know that your business, my business, Joe Cernecki's financial planning practice is open and offers great service. So I have to go out and market myself, network myself, and convey that message to the community or the target market that I'm trying to get in front of around me, right? So there's a risk there. Um, just like any you know new restaurant owner has or opening up a dry cleaner uh, has, right? Um, there's a risk that's going to be taken when you open up a business. Uh, my dad actually was one of the ones that when I was evaluating my career path and whether or not you know now was the right time to do that, jump into financial planning as a 21-year-old college, recent college grad or come back to it later in life. Uh, he and I jokingly and seriously together said, well, why not take the risk while you're young? Right. Uh, if I fail, and you know that is a possibility. Uh, this is twenty-one-year-old me talking. Um, I figured I can always retool. Right. Worst-case scenario, I, I make it two, three years uh, in the industry. I've learned a ton about about sales. I've learned a ton about my communication skills. I've learned even more about financial planning and designing a portfolio and how to apply it to a real-life situation. I'll be fine. I'll be 23 years old. I'll be very marketable and I'll be able to go retool and pursue a different career path if I choose. Uh, but on the opposite though, I think this business has fortunately allowed me things uh, personally, professionally um, that I never had expected. So to me, I think that the risk is, is very clearly worth it. Um, the ability to build a life for yourself and for your family, more importantly, um, finding meaning in your work, right? To be able to sit across the table or in today's COVID society across the computer screen from, you know, a, a potential client or a current client and get that positive affirmation, get that feeling in your heart, in your chest that you know that this person is better today, better now than they were two hours ago before we met. Uh, I don't know where else I could have found that, that passion, found that feeling. Um, to be able to hug clients at times when I get to share with them that they can retire sooner than they expected. Um, on the unfortunate side, you know, providing a death benefit check from a life insurance policy um, and making sure now knowing that that family, that business left behind is protected because of the work that I did, even in the worst of times. Uh, it's a very unique career path. And to me, I would take that risk all day, every day, over and over again. Uh, but that being said, though, I think there's a lot of students out there that, you know, really just need to evaluate it and say, okay, is, is that risk right for me early in my career or is it something that I pursue later? Um, and circling back to the age thing in particular, to me, the average age of an advisor out there being mid-50s like it is today, that is nothing but opportunity, Jake, for yourself and all the students around you that want to pursue this. Because where are those clients going? Where are those advisors going? They're approaching retirement they're going to have to find joint work partners, successors to their practice. Um, and that's a huge opportunity, I think, for young people to enter the industry, become good, great at the industry, 
and then partner with a senior advisor that is looking for someone to take over his or her practice. Um, be that person. Uh, you purchase their book of business, you merge with them, um, or in you know rare circumstances, you come across a competitive situation. A client is you know maybe shopping for a new advisor. You come across them, and you know that's one of the the positives that you actually have in your back pocket is like, hey, I'm in my 20s. I'm in the prime of my career. I'm going to be here throughout your whole life. And your current advisor over at ABC firm, you know, maybe is retiring and in their 60s or 70s or 50s, just like you are, Mr. and Mrs. Client. Uh, I think it's unique timing in our industry that we maybe never see again. Um, so to me, again, I, I take that risk all day, every day. Uh, there's nothing I would do different. Yeah, that's a very insightful and great answer, honestly. Um, you know, why not take the risk when you're young? Um, I know it's scary, but the best time to start is now. Um, so I feel like that's, for me personally, I worry about this kind of stuff all the time you know, coming out of school is age the biggest discrimination, but, you know, for you pursuing a leadership position and, and, uh, you know, just getting that hands-on mentorship is, is huge. And that's what everyone's seeking right now. Um, so that kind of leads me into my next question, I guess, um, you know, you kind of talked about, um, recent college grads and, you know, the the uh, advisors are you know middle fifties. So what what could students be doing right now? Um, you know that want to go in this career path. How should they determine if this is right for them? Um, you kind of touched on what you did and how you got um, into the field a little bit. But you know what could the people at Michigan State be doing right now if they wanted to pursue this? So I think the, the biggest thing that I, I really should have realized earlier, sooner, is that for better or worse, financial planning, if, you're, if you are client facing, or if you're in any industry and you are a customer or client facing for that matter, it is what it is. You're in a sales role, right? You may not want to be necessarily. I don't think I ever wanted to be or even to this day really want to be viewed as a salesperson, but at its core, that's kind of what we do. Um, our job is to meet people, create a marketplace for ourselves to network and to offer the highest level of service that we possibly can to ensure that the person across the table from me reaches their goals, right? That's a sales process. Um, sales process because I have to sell myself and why they should trust me, why they should put their, they should put their faith, their assets with us. Um, and then also positioning of the platforms that we want to use and, and why all of which is a, a sales process. So I'll just kind of circle back to the question here is that I think what students can do is really ask themselves, are they okay with that? Are they comfortable being in a somewhat uncomfortable environment um, as a financial planner, as a sales professional? Um, is that something that they can you know, get excited about? Um, probably have some fear along the way too, don't get me wrong. Uh, I know that I did and maybe even still do these days, but um, I think that's also part of the excitement to what we do. Um, so right here, right now, college students pursue intern internships, uh, not just in finance though. I'd argue you should probably pursue one in finance with a financial advising firm or financial planning firm. So you can learn and see and experience what the job actually looks like on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, pursue an internship in corporate finance, find something that is the other side of the coin, but still in the finance world. Um, to understand the differences between what it means to be an analyst, for example, uh, versus being a planner. 
Um, and does your skill set better suit one of those positions or both of them? I don't know. Um, and then the last thing I would say is actually get a sales internship. That might have been the best, uh, most profitable thing I did of, of my you know, collegiate career, which was learning how to think on my feet and make cold calls and introduce myself to people that I'd never met before and maybe never would meet again. Um, that, that position that I had while on campus was, was definitely the, the best thing that I did. And I didn't even realize it at the time, honestly. Uh, I just, I just need an internship. I needed something with some experience. So I took it, but now I look back that that probably has had more impact on my financial planning practice than uh, the actual financial planning internship that I had. Um, so I'd say get some experience and really soul search and think about, is this something that I actually want to be a part of and, and do possibly for the rest of my career, hopefully for the rest of my career. Absolutely. So Joe, kind of, you know, besides the the internships and actually getting that hands-on experience, what about things that maybe the students could be doing, you know, on their own, whether that be, you know, the different media that they consume? How do they implement routines every day in their life? You know, that could be books, that could be podcasts. How do they actually get their feet, um, you know, in the shallow end of the pool by themselves? How do they self-educate themselves? Yeah, I think... Uh like the great thing about society in the world today is you have information literally at your disposal everywhere you turn around, right? Uh, you have social media outlets, obviously you have podcasts, which are things that I never had at the time. Um, and then you have the old school media, uh, reading the wall street journal or any other publication for that matter. Um, just staying on top of current events in general. Um, here's one thing that I've learned uh, in my career, um, is that, People, clients don't necessarily expect you to be 100% accurate 100% of the time, right? We're humans and they all know that. We all know that we will make, you know, mistakes. I just need to ensure that the mistakes that are made are very minute ones. Um, that being said, people expect you to have an opinion on matters. They know that your opinion will not always be gospel, right? But on the opposite side of it, though, they do expect you to have an opinion, uh, they don't expect you or want you to say, I don't know uh, very often. So I guess my answer would be use whatever media outlets you choose. Um, make sure that it is as unbiased as possible, that you're looking at, you know, any financial matter from both sides of the coin to understand the issue at hand. Uh, stay on top of current events. Um, but I think you also, Jake, made a, a good comment there inside of it saying something about habits find ways to create good habits for yourselves now. Um, again, if you're going to pursue this style career, it is entrepreneurial. It is running your own business um, and freedom. Running your own business comes with a double-edged sword. Um, you don't have necessarily a nine to five job. You have something that doesn't really have hours. Those hours can be as short or as long as you want them to be. And again, sometimes that means that the business takes advantage of you and Maybe other times you take advantage of the business and go golfing a little too much or something. But um, I think habit formation and, and kind of tuning into some of those, like uh, I'm not a big self-help type of guy, but uh, tuning into things that give you just uh, tips and tricks to create good habits for yourself. Um, what time do you get out of bed in the morning compared to go to bed at night? Uh, simple as that sounds, it's a, it's a big issue. Can you engage and lock yourself down to actually complete a set of tasks uh, on a daily basis? Do you have it scheduled? Is it calendarized? Do you have 
ways to ensure that these very small things that will slip through the cracks on you as your practice expands, do you have things and tips and tricks to make sure and ensure that they get done? Um, so I think obviously there's a lot of, uh, you know, help and resources you can use to learn about the financial world, but I think there's maybe arguably just as many that should be looked at to, to kind of grow professionally as an individual, regardless of the industry that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we talked, you know, it was probably a year and a half ago from, from now. And I remember, mm -hmm. I think you mentioning, you know, you get out of bed early, you go work out and then you made that part of your routine, you know, going into work every day. Isn't that right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not the most maybe physically fit guy in the world, but, but yeah, I mean, it's part of the routine routine. The, yeah. my alarm goes off at, at four 45 every day. I'm out of bed by five, uh, quick, quick cup of coffee and checking my emails and dashboard for the morning for 30 minutes. And then I'm off to, to exercise in some capacity for, for about 45 minutes before starting my day truly. So Man, um, I would be, I would be a very cranky person at four 45 in the morning. You get used to it a lot faster than you expect, though. Um, <laughs> that also means that I go to bed early. But, you know, uh, you know what? Here's a great example. J literally just this past week, um, a client had emailed me at like 1130 at night or something like that. So rather late email. Um, and I responded to her at it was it, I think it was like 502 a.m. or something like that um, by 15. Uh, it was early, though. And and she responded with a, a smile saying, Joe, looks like you never sleep. Glad to see um, you're working for us, but make sure you take some personal time as well. I think that those are positive comments personally. Um, at the end of the day, I want my client to feel like they have an advisor, someone on their side that is in a relentless pursuit for them. Um, but I think that at some point you can also wear that out, meaning that I wouldn't want to send my client an email at 1130 at night on a Thursday night, right? That's not necessarily professional to me, but if I have triggers and ways to stay up early, yeah, I'm, I'm proud to shoot off some correspondence first thing in the morning. Uh, I think that that sends a very positive message. So that's my, that's my take on it though, my view on it. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, so Joe, I actually have two more questions for you. One of them, you know, is, is kind of a tough question because in my opinion, you can't define it but how would you define success? I got to take a deep breath and think about that one. You know, I, uh, that's a very, very tough thing to, to touch on. I think we all define success differently. Um, my definition of, of success is impact and in a word, um, can I put my head down at night knowing that I made an impact today, uh, made an impact in the organization around me, uh, made an impact on the lives or practices of the advisors that I've hired and that I work with, made an impact on my clients' lives, frankly, made an impact on my family's life. Um, if I can answer yes to all those things, then I feel pretty good about my day, my week, my year, et cetera. Um, you can put numbers, you know, attached to success as well, which um, in our business and in our industry, we, we kind of do that often. Uh, it's easy to get wrapped up in the numbers, but I think success is a lot more than just the data, a lot more than the numbers. It's about, you know, kind of a, a sense of purpose and nobility and making sure that you know where you're going and that you're on the right path. Um, so I don't know, that's a, that's a difficult one. I, I guess that's my answer. Um, attaching values is more of a, of a uh, values meaning numbers is more of a goal 
driven aspect. Um, so I think success, you have to have goals along the way to make sure that you reach that pinnacle. Um, but I think for me, I'd probably argue that pinnacle will never come. Uh, success is a ever evolving thing. What drove me, motivated me six years ago is very different than today. And I'm sure will be very different than three years from now. Um, so. Yeah, that's great. That was honestly thought you hit the nail on the, on the head right there. That was the exact answer that I was expecting you to say, you know, in my opinion, um, you know, I just want to leave a legacy. I talk about my grandpa when I say this all the time, but just the way that he loves and the way that he impacts people's lives is, is unbelievable. And that's exactly how I want to be. And it sounds like that's exactly how you want to be. So um, I really appreciate, appreciate that answer personally. And, and I'm sure a lot of, and I'm sure a lot of other people do as well. So um, like I said, you know, you can't, it's a different definition for, for every person. So that, that is a tough question. Um, last one I got for you, kind of just wrapping everything up. Do you have any last recommendations or advice, um, you know, for the students in the wealth management program and association at Michigan state, um, you know, that want to pursue this industry? What, what, uh, what tips would you give them? Um, I think I would say, like I said earlier, gain some experience, gain some, gain some understanding and knowledge of the industry because it is very uh, robust and there are you know, polar opposites within it as well. Um, make a decision as early as you possibly can what style um, role you want to play inside of the advising or financial services space. Um, mine, I feel like, is, is more uh, client-centric, client-driven. Uh, others that are in more of a, I would still call them advising roles, but almost like support roles are more analyst driven, more data, more number driven. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I need those people in my lives in order to, you know, offer the highest of service to my clients, but that's not me. I, I'd rather be face-to-face -face talking, conversing, learning from another person uh, than crunching numbers. But again, I still can't do my job without the analyst behind the scenes. Um, so really trying to find a way to make that decision early and understand like, okay, what, what position inside of the space am I really pursuing, really looking for? Um, and then honestly, I'd also say, just take a risk, uh, go for it. That at the end of the day, we're all going to end up one or two places in life. Uh, professionally speaking, I am either going to build somebody else's business or I'm going to build my own 90 plus percent of the population. I'm sure. Um, build somebody else's business. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? My family uh, did that my whole life. Um, but I made a decision early that that just wasn't for me. I wanted to own and have a hand in the direction of everything that I did. And I didn't want any other entity, if you will, to be able to uh, ever change that course unless I wanted to. Um, so I think it's making some of these maybe personal decisions along the way of, you know, where do I want to sit? And once you understand that, I think you can then make a very firm guided decision on, on what organization you want to pursue and grow with. Uh, I'll add one more piece to it as I'm thinking is that um, it's not about where you're at today, but it's about where you're going to be five years, 10 years from now. And oftentimes in our industry, you know, selfishly, that is, you have to take a bit of a step back. Uh, you have to work harder than everybody else around you geez, I know that my buddy's coming out of, out of MSU and supply chain and finance, uh, packaging, um, really earned and, and had a much more vibrant career the first probably two to five years uh, relative to what I was working through. I was working longer hours and 
receiving far less compensation as well. But it was about the purpose and it was about the payoff in the end and where, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit would grow. Uh, and I think that's something that I wanted to pursue. And I guess I would say like everybody else on the call or that's going to tune in just needs to think about that. Uh, a bit of a soul searching recommendation, but really wanting to understand, you know, where you're at today and where you see yourself in the future and then frankly commit and go for it. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I think taking a step back, like you said, is is very insightful and and something that that people need to realize. Um, me included, um, definitely taking a step back. Um, Joe, listen, I really appreciate you joining the podcast today and and uh, you know helping all the undergrads at state and and uh, you know I really hope that people enjoyed this and. I'm sure that they did. You're a great guy and, and I wish the best for you. And, and I'm very glad we got to catch up. So I appreciate your time. Thanks a million. Likewise, Jake, I, I appreciate it. Uh, if, uh, if everybody can take, you know, one small takeaway from this that, that tuned in, then it's a positive. So uh, I appreciate the time and truly anything I can do to help uh, the group, anything I can help do to help the, the association in general or MSU in general, uh, happy to at any time. So we appreciate it. Here, can you meet? Thank you. Likewise. If you like what you just heard, please like, comment, and share. This is Lance Mullen, producer of the MSU WMA podcast. MSU WMA, or Michigan State University Wealth Management Association, is a student organization part of the Eli Broad College of Business, located in East Lansing, Michigan. Our mission is to inspire and educate the next generation of financial planners. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed, please check out our channel on all platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And check out our social media at MSUWMA and MSUWMA.com.